Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. What are you eating? Pizza favorite Pringles. Interesting. Very interesting. So what are you going to South Carolina for? Wedding. Pretty random. Ah, wedding. Whose wedding? Yours? My cousin. My cousins. Oh. Who are they? Are they marrying? Is it a mistake? Do you think? Or do you not care? Oh, I don't know. The guy wasn't in a production of 12 Angry Men, so. Oh, okay, so he's all right. I can't hate him that much. Well, which one did he play? He played the the last one who uh, changed his mind at the end, the one with oh, the son. That's a good part. That's a really good part. That's like that the now. secret hero. Oh, easily. He's like, the, I mean, that whole movie is a metaphor for the American dream, obviously. But he's especially, <laughs> especially that guy is like the biggest metaphor for the American is dream. Is hating your son the American dream? Yes. Because what it, I mean, if you, if you want to really break it down, what was the United States relationship with Britain other than. Fuck hating your re- dad. Oh my the God. The rebellious son. Against the father, right? Oh, Jesus. Right? Stop. No, it's actually a metaphor for the American dream. Jesus, no! It's <laughs> the start of the episode. I don't even care. I hate when people are pretentious and it makes sense. <laughs> I think that's my whole bet. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's funny. <laughs> really breaking down barriers on this special episode of the Reflex Podcast, Cody. We're really oh, yeah. getting down to the heart of it. Shout out to your cousin, are, by the way. Yeah, congratulations. Did she, but she didn't know that she was making. Or is it he? Is it two guys, or is it a guy and no, a girl? It's a traditional American dream co- uh, couple. Ah, that's too bad. It's my female cousin marrying some guy. Nice. Well, Mazel Tov, as the Jews would say. Um, it sure would. What do you ever wonder where? Like I don't know, I've been thinking a lot talking speaking about the American dream something I've been thinking a lot about like the random stuff that we do like traditions like one of them I just thought about was like in a Jewish wedding when you step in the glass and break it uh-huh you know like what's that all about I don't know I'm sure that's religious though I'm I know, but like, what's the ba- like? Where's the basis? You know, like the Your... chair. I kind of get the chair. Like a chair is um, carpentry, and Jesus was a carpenter, and like it's a very like primal kind of OG. Well, well the thing chair to do. you're talking about in a Jewish wedding that doesn't yeah. make sense. The, the chair makes sense. Yeah, it does. No, if you're talking about Jewish or Jesus being a carpenter, they don't give a shit about Jesus. Yeah, they do. They just don't. don't they just don't agree. They with They don't those. think he's the Messiah. I know, but they they recognize that he existed, right? And he, he was so an important figure. And Jesus was a Jew. That's true. So he has the some sort Jew? of importance to them. To them, would, would you would you go out on a limb and say Jesus was the best Jewish? Um, hmm. that's a tough one. I'm gonna go with a no. Because Gal Gadot exists too, though. Is she Jewish? She's from Israel. I kind of just assumed. Oh boy. Oh wow. This is kind of... This is deep. Is this playfully anti-Semitic? As long as it's playful, I think that's fine. We're not... <laughs> we're, we're not... Neither of us are in khakis, so I think we're good. Um, <laughs> khakis right now. I have a tiki torch, but that's completely unrelated. That, that's um, just for mosquitoes. 
No, who's my favorite Jew? I mean, you got like Seth Rogen. He's pretty yeah. good. There, I'm, there's somebody who I'm I'm trying to think of that I just think is awesome in every way, but I can't remember who they are. Is it the Zuck? No, it's not Zuck. I hate Zuck. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I love and hate Zuck. Ah, I'm thinking of somebody. Did you hate him before he sold out I, everybody? I hated him when as soon as he diluted Edward shares, Eduardo shares. Oh, in that movie. Yeah. That's a real good movie. Um, it is a really good movie. I almost bought that the other day. Another weird thing that people do. I just, I kind this one makes sense. I just don't really care for it. I don't like the idea of a an open casket calling hours or funeral. I just, I'm uncomfortable with that. Like, I've been to a few, and, like, you know how they embalm them, and they, like, set them up in the little, in the, the casket, and they lift the casket yes. up, and they put stuff in. I just, I've never cared for that. I, I, I don't, I understand why we're so accepting of death, but I think we, I don't know, I think we glorify it too much or something. I don't know about that. It's just weird. Um, it's, it's to comfort the loved ones. I mean, I spoiler for the end of the episode, I've been um, <laughs> listening to Pet Cemetery. Oh, okay. Uh, by Stephen King, which that's a pretty huge theme. Shout out. In that movie. Okay. And book. Mm-hmm. It's a much better book in case you're wondering. Um, I was. Honestly, I just think it's just it's just the last chance to see somebody because after that. Right. It's a no-go unless you I just like, I, dig one, them up. And, one of the things I love to do is like deconstruct things like that to the very base of what it is. And basically what that is is a display for a dead person like everybody's just hanging out hanging out in a room and the center of attention is a dead person, you know? It's just yes. It's just these and these like the fact that we have um but I mean obviously it's a ceremony not for the dead person, it's for the family. Right. And like cemeteries overall are just I I think at some point we're going to have to say okay, no more burying people in cemeteries cuz we're just so many people are dying. Like they're they're gonna have to have forced, like required by law cremations, because I mean cemeteries are just they're just a waste of space, you know. I mean, be... once you get to the, I mean, this happened in France. Um, oh, it did. Yeah, the, I mean, you can still bury people, but have you ever wondered why the tunnels underneath Paris are full of skeletons? I didn't know there were tunnels under Paris. It's called the French. It's called the Parisian catacombs. It's the coolest place on earth. That's pretty sweet. Um, but like Britain, Britain's been it. around for a bajillion years. It's like the oldest superpower, like the oldest first world country. And like, how do they have any room to do anything? Like Britain, I don't know. Britain always seems like it should it should be a lot more cramped than it is. Well, here's the thing. I think in just people don't actually take up that much space. I mean, they uh, they don't, but together they do. Like I've been to, but it's, I mean, yeah, so. Millions of people. I don't know if I'd go as far as say billions of people have died in England so far, but I think yeah, it's probably in a couple hundred. It millions. gets to a point too where sometimes the graves get washed away and right, and it just doesn't like that. doesn't matter. Like back in the day, they literally put them in boxes, and then it would just all break down, 
in the mm-hmm. earth and it would just it's almost like you know hey fresh it's like it's hitting refresh on on a on a burial plot <laughs> uh yeah hmm well that went off in a lot of interesting a, directions so that good. was a cheery first 10 minutes of the episode it started off fun and then it just yeah, got and then got weird yeah it got a little weird but that's okay you gotta you gotta get weird every now and again that's what we're here for gotta get weird uh and here to be you know, pc and to be uh to be weird happy exactly um so fun times today uh the rare real flicks double feature may just oh, make the executive call there yeah sure why not um you and i both saw a couple of movies and it makes sense to talk about them together and do it yes. right now so starting in alphabetical order let's talk about the death of Stalin. no 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 Alphabetical order would be a quiet place. No, I don't count. I don't count a the or anything. No, you like gotta that count the, the articles. It counts. I don't count articles. It's Comrade Stalin. I'll take it from here. We need to start putting together a plan. How can you run and plot at the same time? We should get Stalin's children here. What are you doing to my father, you jackals? How old are you? I'm old. You're not old. You're not even a person. You're a testicle. Everything's gonna be fine. Exactly fine, is it? My father's lying there with his head open. No, I'm not. Um, yeah, we should talk about just talk about that. Yes, thank you. Uh, why don't you go first with your initial thoughts? You saw it first, so yes, I saw it first. I saw it in Syracuse the day before my birthday. Congrats! And I loved it. Yes, it was hilarious. I got a lot of the jokes. (laughs) Um, I knew who most of the people were. Right. And it just, it tells a really, like, I had no idea all that stuff happened. And it's educational. I wish there was a any type of reality where I could use that movie in a classroom. You could. But, no. I think you could. You could cut out some of the swears or bleep them or something. I think the best part of the movie to show would be the last ten minutes. But we'll get there. When we talk about it, no, I think no. If you you're get about creative. to disappoint me, like my son's going to do someday, <laughs> so just hit, lay Wait, on me. So you're Great Britain, and I I'm the U.S. Yes. Okay. Good. Good to know. Uh you know, a lot of about a lot of movies for me end up being <laughs> mathematics in a way, like. X plus Y equals Z. You know, it's like, oh, well, this movie has, you know, Gary Oldman. It's about the Cold War, so I'm obviously going to love it. Or this is Tom Hanks and journalism, in the, and I'm going to love it. This is one of those, <laughs> uh, I guess the better comparison would be a 2 plus 2 equaling 5, I guess. Yikes. Where I think I love the this story. I love the setting. I love the cast. I love um, the writing. I love everything. I just don't love this movie, and I don't quite understand why. Cause I think, yeah, I don't get it either. I think this is the three billboards of 2018 in the sense that it is a pretty pitch black comedy with a lot of blurry morals and all that that's written like a play but I don't know something about the storytelling here just felt a little 
incomplete. You know, I, I, I saw a movie uh, just a few hours ago that I'll talk about later that and I was talking some, to somebody earlier about like what makes him like what makes a good a great director. And I always think that a great director, just about anybody, could shoot a shoot a great script, but only a only a good to great director can pull you in and can can find that one scene or that one or sequence or moment or whatever where, without realizing it, the audience completely buys in and it like and becomes a part of this story. And and you I, think that didn't happen? That and... didn't that didn't happen for me. And I think what it comes down to. Um, is I just didn't understand this movie's sense of humor. I didn't understand the, where the comedy was coming from. And I'm glad that it was a comedy. I think this might be a little, maybe a little bit dry if it was a straight drama thriller about the power struggle to succeed Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. I think the comedy adds a lot of flavor to it and it adds some spice, but... It's comedy that I just didn't have any reference point for, and I don't. It's not comedy that's that different and that out of the um, out of the norm, I suppose, because I've seen things that are like this. It's a very Arrested Development kind of um, kind of sense of humor, I've, and I know it's by the guy who made Veep. Um, I don't know if he has any connection to Arrested Development, but I. And I swear I'm not saying Arrested Development because of Jeffrey Tambor. It's just that was what came to so mind. So I don't know. I don't. What I, I was talking when I saw this with a couple of my friends, mm-hmm. and I think the your issue there with not getting the sense of humor is I think there was like four different types of senses of humor going on there. Oh, okay. Like not no, I agree. everybody laughed at the same jokes in my theater. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Like the and, I think it was the only thing missing. Uh, I think it was slapstick, probably. Yeah, because you had your gross out, you had your insult, you had yeah. um, just a straight man not getting a joke. Right, 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 right. And you had Jason Isaacs just killing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I think it's just it depends on how much of the history you know behind right. it. And it's it's such a niche movie to make because it's like. Joseph Stalin is like this, like I would say, of the three monsters of the 20th century, the biggest at least. Hitler is obviously your number one. Uh, Stalin is your number two, and Mussolini is your number three. And so, but oddly enough, well, you people give that to Mussolini. Yeah, because Pol Pot, I, he didn't make waves internationally. I don't think he he was a big player in the world stage. He was a monster in a vacuum. Like Stalin okay, and Hitler and Mussolini true. were all. Like I just, Mussolini is just—he's kind of niche. And I know, but he was an really Axis. He was an Axis power sucked. for a time. Yeah, he was an Axis power, and yeah, for about be- twenty minutes before he got killed by his own people. True, true. And under have you ever heard? Have you ever heard what happened to him? Oh no, I, yeah, I did that Wikipedia deep dive a couple weeks ago. That's pretty Yikes. crazy. I mean, you you really got to hate somebody to do what they did to, to Mussolini. Jeez. <laughs> oh, um. Um. Uh, what was he saying? Uh. Yeah. No. Uh. I guess going back to sense of humor, you're. Right, I think you're right that there is a lot of different things going on. It was insult. It was absurdity. It was um some physical stuff like pe- the people kneeling in the piss <laughs> when he, after he died. Uh, that was kind of a funny bit, and it was a lot of historical references. Um, a lot of just like awkward, 
it was it was a little bit of the office, you know, like the awkward sense of humor. And then and, you got just um, uh, Steve Buscemi looking like Steve Buscemi. Yes, and and then Steve Buscemi playing Nikita Khrushchev is its own brand of comedy, I think. You, the best <laughs> casting choice of 2018, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I know, just the casting in this is, I think, as much as I, as I was frustrated that I didn't love the movie, I think the the ideas that it had and uh was pretty great of casting somebody like an Italian American like Steve Buscemi in the role of Nikita Khrushchev <laughs> and not even trying to hide any accents and he's just Italian. That was I think that was my favorite part of the movie to tell you the truth. Yeah. Cuz like Could you imagine Steve I mean, Buscemi trying to put on a Russian accent? I can't. But but uh Jason Isaacs did one, didn't he? No, that's I think that's just a speaking voice. Because that was that oh, was an English right. accent. That was like borderline Cockney. Are we going to talk about Jason Isaacs as one of the best villainous actors in cinema? Like I'm I thought, sure Lucius we... Malfoy was his only bit, but he in this he was pretty terrifying and pretty. He's uh, great, and he intimidating. Um, he was the villain in the first season of that Star Wars TV show, um, Rebels. Okay, but he wasn't he just, in it. In it, right? He voiced it. Yeah. He's good. I think um, now that Harry Potter is starting to lose, just I don't want to say popularity because it's still the most obnoxiously popular thing in the entire world. Right. Um, I think where you see that some of the actors from that um, series can't really act for shit. Right. He's not one of them. Well, he was an adult at that time. He was an adult writing. The adults that they cast are all pretty... Uh, established and pretty Actually good, you know. except for that guy who played um Sirius Black. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't really done much. But how do you expect somebody to work with a character that poorly written and inconsequential? Nah. Whatever doesn't matter. Yourself. Yolo. Um, I guess one of the um things that I thought about when I com- when I sat down to figure out what I felt uh about the film was. I didn't care for Hunt for the World of People a few years ago, but, sorry, when I watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows for the first time a few months ago, I really liked it, and I thought it was hysterical. So, maybe this is one of those times where, uh, well, this is because this is the first Armando Iannucci movie I've seen, maybe it's going to take the second or third Iannucci produced or directed or written property for me to get you know and i've had um so I've... hunt for the wilder people was your first uh taika watiti movie yes because was it mine too mm. had to be because i don't think i saw what we do in the shadows yeah and then thor came out shortly afterwards hmm. um and now he's like my favorite director i love that guy <laughs> um Ainucci, by the way, uh one of the one of the other three movies he's directed in the loop is something i've had um, kind of on my watch list for a while, so I'll maybe I'll put that theory to the test. But what's that about? Um, Steve Coogan's in it, which is kind of all I need because I love I, me some Coogs. Ooh, tell me who that is. Uh, what would I know him from? Uh, was it Steve Coogan? No, it's Peter Capaldi. What am I thinking of? What had Steve Coogan in it? Or maybe Steve Coogan is in this. What if Steve Coogan is Peter Capaldi? What? 
Okay, now I need to find out what I'm what Steve Coogan property I'm thinking of. But um in the loop is like a this we're making something funny out of something kind of boring, like the UK, like the like the war in the Middle East and like the power struggle, you know? <laughs> is that which what is that movie's about? Yeah, which is kind of like this, I think. And I'm all for turning like either boring or in this case difficult to understand events and turning them into comedies i think that's really funny you can do a lot of awesome stuff there um but um let's see coogan in the loop is that what i just said yeah that's the movie coming out I no thought. coogan it, coogan is in the loop he just wasn't he's just not top build for some reason oh he's like the bottom and the only time i know i've seen the movie is a trailer and he was in the trailer like most of it so I got I got confused. So maybe right, if I'm I watch, I'm glad we uh, sorted that out. Yeah, pretty good radio. Um, maybe if I watched In the Loop, I would get it. Or maybe if I saw that first and then saw Death of Stalin, I would love it uh, more than I do. But I really, I really, really think that you should give uh, Hunt for the Wilder People another chance. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. No. I really think you should. I'm not going to though. Um. <laughs> 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 No I re, would, no re. I can't. I was not gonna re. No, that's not politically correct. It's not polite. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we talked a little bit about the cast. We might as well dive into it a little bit further. So Buscemi as Khrushchev was pretty great. Uh, no birthmark. As close to a main character as we got in the movie. Where's the birthmark? Or was the birthmark later in life? That was Gorbachev. Oh, that's right. Where's Gorbachev? Was he in this? He wasn't a main player. He came along later, right? He was like 80s, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the last uh, ah. leader of the Soviet Union because nice. he gave up like a coward. <laughs> <laughs> so give me, give me the the explain to me like I'm five version of how the Soviet Union became Russia. I don't know. You mean at the end? Yeah, like Berlin well, Wall, like the wall I think, coming down. Um, what I happened heard. was. Uh, the people were becoming more and more liberal and just not as into having to wait in line for six hours for a slice of bread. Um, Pussies. So they were starting to get mad and starting to get scared of the world ending. So he w- he was the whole uh, detente and perestroika guy who – was trying to he was trying to what was it uh cool down the cold war i think is what it was wouldn't it be heat up so the cold ba- war i think i don't know heating up the cold war sounds like yeah, a but, cuban missile crisis yeah but you don't want to cool it off cuz that would make things even It'd make it colder more cold and like he was it. easing cold war tensions and uh, i'm sounds... okay with that <laughs> cool very cool and uh, basically the heat just gave up and was like whatever we're done he rage quit is what you're saying it wasn't a rage quit he was, it was more of a uh, kind All of right. thing All right. Um, also in the cast uh, Simon Russell Beale who played uh, Lavrenti Beria Beria was the uh, guy, the NKBD guy, right? Yes. Who, um, I'm pretty sure, 
to play this role had to um, do one of my least favorite movie cliches. Not even, not really cliche. What did he um, gain weight? No, he shaved his head so it looks like oh. he's getting the the backsides you hair, you know, instead oh, of, boy. and it just didn't. Or maybe he's in his Wikipedia picture of his hair, but I can't tell if it's a toupee or not. But I don't know. I just for some reason that annoys me when people shave it to look bald instead of actually being bald, <laughs> bald, or just like giving it little touch ups. I don't know. Uh, but the fact that he's bald, and you know, my there's a lot of bald people in this movie, and you know, I, my thing with bald heads they freak me out um i honestly didn't, didn't care know for that. that oh yeah i think i mentioned it a couple times but i don't like bald the sight of a bald head because like oh, what happens if you get really... a paper cut like it just there's no it protection never stops there. bleeding there's no protection there it's like it's skin and skull that's all you got like ugh, i hate it um foreheads i guess by extension are pretty gross our <laughs> rupert friend is vasily stalin uh, now, from a historical perspective, one of the things that I can say I enjoyed about this movie was the Wikipedia deep dive I went on after I saw it, and I didn't know that Joseph Stalin had a son. I don't know. I knew. I, I assumed he had children. I just didn't know he had a son, and how much of a <laughs> screw up he was. Like the first scene <laughs> of the movie. That was probably my favorite bit in the whole movie. Yeah, about, about the hockey team. <laughs> yeah, like didn't didn't he his hockey team like their plane crashed or whatever? Yeah, like there's but nobody a really, else knew. See, there's a sequel to there's a really great sequel to this that is a sport like a sports drama about him having to like whip this new team into shape and like help them become the champions they are meant to be. Being like drunk, it'd be and, good like, if he wasn't a, just a mess up though. Yeah, and then the last scene of the movie, his new hockey team dies in a plane crash, and he has to do it Oof. all over again. That'd be fun. Um, and then his dad dies yeah. off screen, like really. Uh, Tastefully, like in Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rupert Friend, pretty solid. Uh, he was good. I liked him. Don't know what I've seen him in. Uh, let's see. We got The Zero Theorem, of course. Don't know what that is. Steve, everybody's favorite. Uh, the Young Victoria, one of my favorite films. Uh, wow, he has got... Oh, he's been in Homeland, I guess. That's fine. Homeland's a, a show. It's a show. It's a show. The aforementioned Jason Isaacs as Zukov. Is that what they called him? It's Grigory Zukov, yeah. Zukov. I don't know. The ZH. You never know. Um, I loved him. He was my favorite character in the movie. uh, Michael Palin as Vyacheslav Molotov. He was one of the old guys, right? He was the one who they they decided to kill early on. Oh, but then they didn't kill him? The name, he was, or the Molotov cocktail was named after him, correct? I'm surprised. I don't know. I'm surprised that they sounds didn't. sounds right, but I feel like that might just be like a Smith last name in Russia. Oh, really? But it yeah. seems like that would be a very, like the, I don't know. Yeah, it was organized, uh, a Molotov cocktail, a crude incendiary device typically consisting of a bottle filled with flammable liquid and with a means of ignition. The production of similar grenades was organized by Vyacheslav Molotov during World War II. That's the guy, right? So, okay. yeah, so it was his idea. So, that's a, that's just, that's one of my favorite, col- you know, collection of words ever is the Molotov cocktail. <laughs> I think that's so freaking cool. Um, 
And then uh, De- Jeffrey Tambor played the guy who ultimately um, took over the throne, I guess, or succeeded. For about 20 minutes. Stalin, uh, G- uh, Georgi Malenkov. And I liked the bit with him and the little, and like wanting to take the picture. I thought that was funny. <laughs> with the girl? Yeah, where he didn't understand that she like was would be older, and he got all mad. <laughs> it was a very cult of personality kind of thing, and I, I think that's just wonderful. Um, so I guess the selling point of this movie is that it's about the power struggle to succeed Joseph Stalin, but it doesn't seem like anybody but Georgie really goes for it. You know? Well, I think that Georgie only got it because he was actually uh, in line to have it. Right. Um, but the whole movie is about Khrushchev and the NKVD guy. I don't remember what his Beria. name is. Uh, Beria. They were both trying to get the power to become, you know, the right the leader, the general secretary of the party. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that... That seems like it was the movie's objective, but there was a lot of the times I w- I just thought to myself, okay, these are these are some really great acting and these are some great conversations and awesome dialogue, but like, what is the goal that we're working towards? And it started off as a great setup. Stalin died. Who's going to succeed him? And then it turned into uh, Khrushchev plotting against Beria and having him killed. And obviously, Khrushchev later on would become would take over and be the new premier or president or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I just didn't think that was communicated particularly well in the actual movie. And it left me kind of like with ready player one. It's like, okay, we have a really cool setup and objective and like, a, I wait, wait, hold on. So you don't think it was communicated well that he became the premier? No, I just think, I didn't think the, the objective of the movie was communicated well. Really? Like like with Ready Player One, we have a great setup of like okay, three eggs, and then you know there's a big prize at the end. And this one, it's oh, Joseph Stalin died, great you know dictator and all that, and somebody's got to take over. And I didn't, I just don't really think it it got like. I think this movie probably should have ended with Khrushchev taking over, but Which instead it, did. it ended with I know, but ended with Khrushchev beginning to take over. You know. Like it's it start it ended at the beginning of his journey instead of the end, and everything mm. in between it was just like okay, so are we doing the death of Stalin too? Khrushchev takes over, or something. I just uh, I, I think the objective of the movie was communicated by the name we got. Okay, from one premiere to the next one, and through the death of Stalin. I mean, and then after that. We got a little bit after that to see where, because I guarantee you, nobody remembers Malenkov. Was that his name? Um, yeah, Greg uh, Georgie. Nobody remembers him in history. I had no idea that guy existed, and yeah. I study history, but I'm also a really shitty student. So, yikes. Um, where was I going with that? I think that the point of this movie was to tell you the full story that you might not get in school. Yeah, and I, I can understand that. Maybe I'll like it the more I see it, but for this, for this viewing at least, uh, was just a little, like a little hazy. But um, but like I said earlier, it, it's written and performed like a play. I could easily see this being an actual play because it's not oh, really. I, that, I would watch 
the yeah. shit out of this as a as a stage play. Yeah, it's not really that complex. You can just kind of have a handful of sets and have people move around in between them, and you know, get some great actors in there, and it'd be pretty pretty cool. Um, and I'm always like movies that are written that use a the script of a play are 99 times out of 100 awesome. So yes, I can't think of an example that's bad. Yeah. Um but uh so any what are some further likes or dislikes that you have? Um I liked the music. Was there music? Yeah, there's a score. They had music. A little bit. It was Russian. Um <laughs> I liked the acting was amazing. Obviously, the acting was good. The I just for some reason the last ten minutes of that movie really stuck with me. Oh yeah, the last shot. The I don't know if it was the last shot, but the one the shot towards the end of Khrushchev after he assumed power. He was sitting there watching some performance, and then you see the guy behind him kind of give uh, him a you look. You see Brezhnev? Yeah, it's just like <laughs> it never ends. Like the the struggle for power is just never ending in the in places like this. You always got to be looking over your shoulder. Yeah, Oof. That, was, that was really that was really effective. Uh, the, and the lead up to uh, Beria being shot, I liked that <clears throat> as soon as he was betrayed, they dropped all of the. Uh, the comedy from the script mm. and they just showed how insane that must have been in yeah. real life. Yeah. I think I would probably show that in a classroom if I got the chance to those mm. last 10 minutes. Question for you. How old do you think Steve Buscemi is? 55. Really? 55. He's 60. That was close. Yeah, I thought I after seeing this, I would have put him closer to seventy, but he's only sixty. Shout out to Steve Buscemi. I like that they put him in a uh, fat suit. Yeah, <laughs> even though he has like the scrawniest neck and the tiniest head in the entire world, <laughs> it's like, oh no, he's totally a fat guy. That yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, out. <laughs> uh, let's see other likes from me. Um, I mean, yeah. Pff- performances writing i just didn't understand the movie and i needed i needed a primer so maybe i'll get i'll watch in the loop and then circle back around to this when it comes out on home media but uh it's good but i just wanted to be in like the eight to nine range and i just can't quite get there but uh definitely a film oh easily this is a film if there ever was one it's about uh, just the subject matter alone. Even no matter how good, how, no matter how it's executed, the subject matter is film. It's definitely a film. Uh, any final thoughts, likes, dislikes, Cody? Um, I've got nothing else to add to it. All right, uh, I'll grade this out at a six and a half. I enjoyed it, uh, but I wanted to enjoy it a lot more. So I'm giving it an eight and a half. Okay, because okay. it's just really good and i love the subject matter we're in april now so we gotta it's time to start thinking about the top five uh for this first half of the year you know so 
first sure. half of the year. It's definitely going to make mine. Yeah, not not quite mine, but Thoroughbreds probably will. So I think that's Thoroughbreds was so good too. Oh my trade. god. Yeah. I really I've liked that movie the more I thought about it. The further I get from it, I was like, oh man, that was so good. I want to watch it again. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've started to tag um, movies on Letterboxd for like where I go to see them, and mm-hmm. I you know I went through like my entire Letterboxd career and f- did the to the best of my abilities put the tags of where I saw uh, the movies at, and I checked the Cinemapolis tag on there. And the only them, huh? the only reviews are me and then another guy who says like a, he saw Thoroughbreds a week after I did, and he, he said everybody in the theater was on a grinder date, and I was just like, wow, I cannot believe it's getting what that kind fuck? of an audience. Yeah, but hey. on a grinder, how? Wait, how can you just determine that? I mean, if you see a bunch of dudes going to see a movie together, so I went a bunch of the... pairs of dudes. Shit, I went to the movie with my friends. Does that mean... How did you plan the going out? Did you use Grinder? No, I. they're just my best friends, and we went to Dave & Buster's. Ah, oh, D&B's is great. Love We D&B's. didn't really do anything. Oh. At D&B's got... or just... No, yeah, we didn't really have time because we were seeing the movie and we got there late. Sad. I always make time for D&B's. And we got dinner. Oh, wow. It was a date. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's move on to a quiet place. I'm afraid this one's just gonna be you and me agreeing. I that'd be that'd be bad because uh, I think we both gave it the same grade on Letterboxd. We did, but you you are notorious for giving a grade and then going completely off on it when we talk about it. Like you gave <laughs> Ready Player One a four, and like on our episode you gave it a six and a half. And I just like I meant I I meant to uh, go back and yep you did change it. I was still riding high when I graded it. Right. But you didn't. And I just want to... I, I know I mentioned it to you guys via text, but I just... I need to get this out on the record. Why is it that it was such a surprise for them in, in the year 2045 that an 11-year-old kid would be good at video games? No, 11-year-olds are good at video games now. I know. I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like... It just seems like it's a, it's a big deal to to her, to uh, Sam or whatever, Artemis and Parzival. It's like, yes, I'm 11. I know. Most... Can we move on? He's like, you're the most badass 11-year-old in the world. I was like, he's probably like the the 900th best 11-year-old at video games. Like, it saying. was really funny that they spent so much time devoted on that, on that kid being young, rather than H being a man or a woman. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hmm. Cody... Have you ever just on the wrong side of history? True or false? Did you murder my mom's sister? (laughs) Doesn't matter. I was just having too much fun. Too much fun. Doesn't matter if the screenplay is good. It's fun. Uh, 
that's that's why it's aunt it's your aunt i'm pretty sure you called her your aunt earlier in the movie just why uh, i don't know i just want to be i just want to know what it was like on set that day like were they on a schedule were they just like oh we need to get we need to hurry and he just like misspoke or i don't know what happened there steve <laughs> you killed my mother's uh, sister I, if i met if I met Steven Spielberg in like the next week or two, I don't know how that would That's happen. That's what you would ask him. I wouldn't say, oh, I love catching if you can, or I'm so excited for Indiana Jones. But like, so Steve, tell me this. Why in Ready Player One did a character say to somebody, you killed my mom's sister? I don't understand that, bud. Can you just like, please? Help us out. Come on. Come on, help me out. My theory is that he didn't actually direct Ready Player One. He just like hung out. And you reverse poltergeist it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bally's got to be balanced. Uh, so, A Quiet Place. Um, Speaking of directors. Yeah. Great segue. Is this a... Is this his, no, it's not his directorial debut. The Krasinski? I don't think it is. I think it is. Maybe his I mean, He might have had film. a couple of... Yeah, it's his feature film, definitely. Might have had a couple of uh, Office episodes here. Uh, let's see. I think there was some rogue movie he did too that he was oh the Hollers. Of. That's right. Yeah. So why are we calling it his directorial debut? That's not what this. Maybe is. it's his good movie. Yeah. <laughs> directorial debut. Yeah, yeah. He directed uh three episodes of The Office: Saber, Lotto, and The Boat. So those episodes. Those are all pretty good episodes. Oh, he also directed a movie. He, this is his third movie. What the hell? He directed a movie called Brief Interviews with Hideous Men in 2009. Wow, that sounds like a pretentious-ass movie right there. I mean, it's based off of a book written by David Foster Wallace. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Infinite Jest. End of the tour. Yes, okay, that's why I know it. Something about Infinite Jest, there was a a joke somebody told about it once. If you haven't, End of the Tour is, is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's just like two people talking, but it's like really, really entertaining conversations and great acting. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend uh, End of the Tour. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of John Krasinski's first movies. His not not his first first, but it's the first his first high budget movie. Maybe yeah, this was like seventeen million something like so that. That's more than yeah. Never mind. I don't know how much like. I imagine you could have shot thoroughbreds on like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they probably got like a shitload of money for a Quiet Place. No, for um, like thoroughbred. Oh, but I honestly have no idea how Hollywood works and movie budgets and whatever. I mean, I, th- I don't really either. I mean, just from what I hear of how people talk about budgets, it seems like it costs a lot for visual effects and salaries can also be pr- relatively yeah, that's what high. I think that that's what it's most I think like infinity war part one and part two together has got to be in the 300 range but they also uh, they shot the last two Harry Potter movies with a shared 250 million dollar budget and they look they both look awesome so who knows uh, I'm not getting any hits on thoroughbreds budget I would guess it's probably in the 10 5 to 15 yeah there's no production budget available but it can't be too much uh but a quiet place John Krasinski 
his third movie's first time working with his, his wife, wifey, Emily Blunt, forced drama. Um, so let's <laughs> hit that blunt. Am I <laughs> sick, dude? Get get it because Yahtzee. Uh, um, we, I I understand. Uh, I gave initial thoughts, or you gave initial thoughts yeah, last time, so it's my turn. Ha ha. Um, I was really impressed with this. I mean, I, I'm not one for horror typically. I don't; those aren't the movies I usually enjoy or really go to see all that much. It takes a lot for me to get to the to go see a horror movie because it just seems like it's a kind of. I uh, I sort I wrote on Letterbox. It started off like horror is a really interesting genre to track because it started off with your psychos, and then. Later on in the 70s, it became very slashery, and the 80s sort of went, it kind of jumped the shark, and then the 90s were Scream, and... and uh, Meta. Yeah, and then the 2000s came, and it became uh, stripped down, I guess, and it was just, okay, well, we don't want to spend that much, but we want to make a lot of money, so let's make a horror movie, you know? And mm-hmm. in the, since The Conjuring, I think we've seen the kids who grew up on the 70s and the 80s stuff get older and make movies of their own, and which is why I think we've seen such a renaissance, if you will, in <laughs> horror movies between James Wan and Chris, the Krasinski and um, the other ones that Josh likes that I haven't seen. You can't forget It. Eh, it, I, don't really, I don't count It into that equation, mostly because I don't think it was that scary, really. It wasn't. Um, it was good. It just wasn't scary, other than that first scene. Um, but I just think uh, we're in an interesting time in horror, where it seems like directors aren't running away from them. It's like, oh, I made a good horror movie. Now I can go do what I want. It's almost like they're running towards horror movies, and I think that's I think that's interesting. It's um, you're really you're playing inside of a sandbox a lot, but um, more so than any other genre because they much like the uh, comedies, they just, for me, they have one goal. It's like, if I laugh or if I'm scared, it's a success. It works. Yeah. I so. think with horror movies, what it is for me anyway, the way I see it yeah. is that a lot of the times you ha- we have these good, good horror movies, it, the director or the writer is somehow super involved with the production. And it's like a personal story that they're telling. Yeah. So, like, I imagine that who directed The Conjuring? Was that James Wan? Yeah. I I wonder if he had a writing credit. Because or is, is he just really good? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think he did, like, this. a... I think he did, like, a final polish and, like, a putting it sort of through his eyes, I guess. But I don't uh-huh. think he actually sat down and wrote the screenplay screenplay. Yeah, so because like I know that he's um, credited John, it for, with John it. Krasinski helped write this movie. He didn't right. come up with the story idea, but he helped write it. Yeah, I think that's. A, I think he even talked about how this. It was a case of he read the script and sort of push, like, kind of twisted it around a little bit and just kind of put it through his own, uh, his own perspective like Nolan does that too like his his brother usually writes the story he like writes the first drafts of the screenplays and he um he twists it around and plays with it to fit his own um 
to his own sensibilities, position, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Did Jonathan Nolan write Dunkirk at all? I mean, not that there was much to write there, but no, that was that was uniquely Nolan. But like you said, that was all him. Yeah, that's more. That's a visual story more so than a. Oh, we have to figure out beats and arcs and all that stuff. I like. That. I think that's why that movie was so successful. Yeah, Dunkirk. Good movie. We're talking about. Yeah, um, but a quiet for talking place. about a quiet place, we haven't talked about it very much. Yeah, uh, what are, I sort of gave my initial thoughts. Um, just. I really enjoyed it. Highly respect what Krasinski was able to do. I think this is a pushing the horror genre into another exciting direction. And um, I was very pleased with it. I really enjoyed it. It scared me. Uh, very tense. And I enjoyed myself. So what about you? Uh, I also very much enjoyed it. I thought it was um, very well made. All of the direct- or they, All of the actors were really great. Even the kids. Um, and we all know how you feel about kids. How did, what did you think of them? I thought they were really good. My favorite one was the one that died. Yikes. Um, no, that was, <laughs> I kid, but, uh, they were all, they were all really strong. The, the deaf girl, Millicent Simmons, she was in a movie last year called Wonderstruck that I and four other people saw in total, <laughs> um, where that was also a, even more so than this was a, was pretty close like i would say 85 80 to 85% silent and this was like 95 probably um and i hope she doesn't have to do these movies forever i hope she maybe gets a chance to act in other movies but i don't know how you could put a deaf person in a movie without being without it being about how they're deaf you know like could she be could she be like the best friend in a romantic comedy who this girl's like oh i i signed with her to communicate uh and have it like not be a thing you know um which i I don't know maybe you could but the friends in romantic comedies are usually just kind of obnoxious and loud that's why people think they're funny right so the rebel wilson syndrome but which (sighs) is the official terminology for that that hurts. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad for him. I'm glad that she's getting these two, between this and Wonderstruck, really great opportunities to, you know, be a positive role model or whatever in the deaf community. Uh, I'm As somebody who has a son that's deaf, I find that very inspiring. Excuse um, me? My son? Your son, Edge? Yes. Is one of your cats really deaf? Yeah. Which one? Is it Edge? Yeah. Look at me. I know so much about you. Thank you. No, my, uh, um, <laughs> my son. Um, I, don't know, I just like, it reminded me of a tweet, of a tweet I saw a while ago of like somebody who was like, hey, so for the deaf people that use Twitter, can you please turn on your whatever thing in your settings? I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't think really you should really. You should really be here. You're not really getting much out of it, but <laughs> which unfortunately, maybe you could say the same thing about a deaf actress if she, you know, like I said earlier, if the only if these are the roles she gets, and you know, she can't play the second lead in a romantic comedy, or I don't know. I just I yeah, the way you're making it. I mean, you make it. What you're saying makes a lot of sense. I'm just nervous for. Her. I don't. I want Is her that to succeed. And if I, they do make a romantic comedy about it, yeah. It's going to be 
the sounds of love or something. Yeah. And she, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> the sounds of love. Uh, and she won't be able to hear. And that's the whole meme. And I don't like that. Now that I don't, I'm I'm hoping I hope somebody finds a way to utilize her. Uh, and a smart way to utilize her because she she absolutely deserves it. She's really no, uh, yeah. This I but I you have to agree this was the the perfect role for her. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Um, just like Wonderstruck was in a in a, in a sense. Um, neat movie, Wonderstruck. Very neat. Wouldn't I'd recommend? Yeah, I'd recommend it. Sure. Uh, but did you give your initial thoughts? I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it was very. Well made. It looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I liked all the actors. Like I said, were really good. Um, the tension that this movie created demolished me. Oh, that first it, scene. That oh first my god. Scene. Like, it was, that that first scene reminded me a lot of it in the sense that it was like this. Uh, like a cold open almost, where it with it. Whereas with it, it was the kid uh, with his boat out mm-hmm. by the uh, plane in the streets and all that. And in this, it was them going to a store, and he f- finds the uh, the rocket ship. Yeah, the rocket ship, and then gets got by by the uh, by the alien monster. What were they called? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh. In Wikipedia, they're described as sightless predatory creatures with extremely sensitive hearing who seemingly use echolocation to hunt humans and other prey. Which is so cool. Yeah. I love these monsters. These monsters are incredible. According to Wikipedia... Yeah, we'll get to the monsters in a a bit because I got a lot to say about those too. According to Wikipedia, everybody in the family has a name. Yes. Um, honestly, I think that that's one of the things I don't like about the movie. What's that? <laughs> that they named their characters after the fact for some reason. Like, so my favorite Cormac McCarthy book is The Road. Oh, douche. Which they made a movie about. Douche. Saw, what? It's a great movie. I it's a good Cor- book, too. I read Cormac McCarthy. And Do you not? Cool. No, I don't. High Key, that is the only one I've ever read. So, uh, okay. I don't know if I'm still a douche, and if I am, I'm sorry. Douche. But nah. nobody had a name in that that movie or that that show. That, that same same goes for Annihilation. They, they they just went by their titles like biologist, uh, chemist. Did they not name them in the movie? In the movie, they did, but not in the book. Ah, um, you see, that's something they should have kept it. Um, but yeah. Emily Blunt played Evelyn Abbott. The Krasinski played Lee Abbott. The uh, Millicent Simmons, the deaf girl, played Reagan. Uh, Noah Jupe, Jupe, was Marcus Abbott, the boy who could hear. The boy who could hear. Uh, Cade Woodward played Bo, the one that got got. Yikes. Uh, rip in peace, Bo. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we can kind of hit on some performances. Uh, I guess Krasinski and Blunt have to get, a lot of the praise has to get heaped onto them. Krasinski especially was very, had a 
imposing screen presence, whereas Blunt was more so like the she gave the the better performance. But Krasinski, you just felt him in this movie. You kind of you felt the burden and the responsibility and the paranoia that he that he carried around. And now, do you wish that this movie um, came out in a timeline where The Office didn't exist? Uh, Imagine how much more impressed we would be with John Krasinski if this was like his first movie. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I uh, know. No, I mean, um, how much more impressed we would be uh, if we hadn't heard of him and come. I think with we would be. I think we'd be. We'd be more surprised than impressed because it's like, wow, you fit this in between, you know, being Jim, you know. Uh, but I'm, you know, I in the firm belief that anybody who makes it in Hollywood probably has um is maybe it's it's too optimistic but I feel like anybody who makes it in Hollywood ha- probably has a great movie in them as a director or a writer somewhere at least just, one yeah cuz like you you just can't be in this in the business for that long and not learn stuff you know and Krasinski he acted he was directed by Clooney he was directed by um what's his the the guy that uh, Shawshank guy, Darabont, right? Yeah. Oh, really? He's directed by Darabont. He worked with Kenneth Lonergan on Manchester by the Sea. Excuse um, me. What, what did he have to do with Manchester by the Ski? The Sea. The Ski. <laughs> now that's a much better movie. <laughs> Manchester by the Sea too, where Lucas Hedges <laughs> goes oh, to a God. ski resort and he has to challenge like one of those old eighties movies. He has to like but challenge this time, somebody to um, a race. He's. Uh... No, that makes sense because remember in the movie he uh, freaked out because his dad was going into a uh, a freezer for the winter <laughs> oh, instead right. of being buried. Right, right, right. So in order to win the challenge, he has to get uh, <laughs> he has to overcome his fear of cold, cold temperatures stuff. And he lives in Boston. At the same time, because Cass- uh, Casey Affleck didn't um, sign on for the second one has to deal with the death of his uncle. And, oh, God, shit. Is this copyrighted? I th- I think they have an IP over it. Uh, but, um... We could have been so popular. We could have made so much money. He also acted under Sam Mendes for uh, a movie called The Way We Go, where he had a beard, so that's the kind of movie that was. I think um, that's just his canon look. I think... Oh, true, true. Him not having a beard was more weird. Yeah. Jarhead, also, Jarhead, also a Sam Mendes picture. He was in um, some Jarhead? Apparently. And huh. then, of course, I mean, there were, and there were a lot of great <coughs> guest directors on The Office, like J.J. Abrams directed a couple of episodes, uh, you know, all, all that. Um, co-created Lip Sync Battle, shout out. Uh <laughs> I wonder if that just means he's friends with who does that. Well, no, he actually he came up with the idea when he was going to be a guest on Fallon uh, for a, a few years ago. They were just like thinking about fun bits they wanted to do, and he apparently came up with the idea of lip sync battle. Like a, that's a John Krasinski original. So how neat is that? Is he secretly like the smartest person? He's secretly a jack of all trades, and now it's not really much of a secret anymore because uh, the Quiet Place is. Critically doing great. It's gonna make it. It's gonna make more than enough, or more than double its budget in just opening weekend domestic. So God, I hope they don't make a sequel to it. Oh no! Well, this is the perfect one-off yeah. movie, and 
I think that they'll dick it up if they. Yeah. So yeah, my first impressions were, um, the the way I described this movie once I got out of it was, oh, this is just like Alien on a farm. And tell me I'm wrong. You're James wrong. Uh, because there's only one alien. In Alien. Okay. It's about aliens about a crew, not a family. All right. Uh, the aliens are not limited to sight and or sound. They can do just about anything. Okay. Uh, also acid blood. Um, also chest bursters. Also, I know, but that further proves my point because there's no chest bursters in this. I I know, I was agreeing with you. Okay, thank you. Um, also, uh, the... Most vulnerable person in Alien is much more sympathetic than the most vulnerable people in this, because Jones the Giddy, oh. uh, cinema's true hero. What about the raccoon? Rip and piece that raccoon though. He got demolished. Oh, he got flattened like a pancake. Damn, son. I love raccoons, so that really hurt so, me. Yeah, this movie was like Alien, but on a farm, and as in the way it made me feel. Okay, and that's better the just the general tone of being picked off and hunted by something is incredibly terrifying to me. Yeah. I I never want to feel that. I will never participate in the most dangerous game unless I am the eccentric rich man who is Count Zaroff is his name. Yeah. Unless I am the one who is uh hunting. Cuz man is the most dangerous game of all. Shout but out. tell me would you pay to like play a a game of the most dangerous game, like pretend you have a uh, tranquilizer rifle. What I as the as the rifleman or as the, the yeah as the rifleman. Would I pay? Would you pay to do that? Uh, would do I get a prize? Like am I the thrill of the hunt? Eh, no, not really. I think it'd be too much work. I don't feel like for and for not without a reward. I just wouldn't want to hang out in a jungle for three days. I think it could be fun. I just get bored. I don't know. I've I I distract easy and I bore easy, so that wouldn't be good uh, good for me. Um, Emily Blunt also in this was in this film. Fantastic, real good, good, good. Um, Krasinski talked about a little bit behind the scenes, like in some interviews about uh, how he was very hesitant to like ask her to be in this movie um because she uh she picked according to him she picks her projects so particularly and so carefully that he wasn't sure she would go for it really um yeah and she ultimately did and like he talked about you know the scene um uh, you know i, I think <laughs> the best part about a horror movie is that you can refer to it as you know the blank scene because yeah. uh, people will be like, oh, like, you know, if a movie can do that, if it's got a couple of those kind of things, I think it'll do well in the long term. But in the bathtub scene, when she, oh, God damn. after the fireworks were let off, that scream that she did was the only take of that they shot. And as soon as they called cut, she apparently got out of the bathtub and she was just completely out of it. And she was like, oh, hey, what's uh, what's for lunch today? And Krasinski was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, oh my god. That is incredible. And she's just, uh, she's just great. She's just great. She was amazing in that movie. But what kind of actress do you like more? The ones who, like, get into it enough that 
to like start crying in real life if the scene's sad enough. I'm more impressed and, by people who can turn it off. Yeah, I like, think she uh, has just more raw talent. Yeah, like Daniel Day Lewis. Don't get me wrong; he's he and his flip phone are both great. <laughs> but you know, the fact that you need to like, I can't do this to the best of my ability without going all the way. Bananas. And like, I I am Reynolds Woodcock, or I am Daniel Plainview, and I'm gonna live in a tent for three months because that's what my character would do. Did they actually do that? Yeah, but like with somebody like Leo, where he can just kind of slip in and out of it and be awesome, and then just be like, "Hey, so, you know, I went to the uh, the the Lakers game last night. Alonzo Ball is pretty good. Oh, Leo, we're back on set. All right, hold on, give me one second. He goes back and he gets mauled by a bear. You know, I respect that. I respect being able to come in and out of it a lot more. But um, but it's all like acting in general is like really I. I don't want to say I have respect for actors, but I certainly recognize their talent. But everybody's always like, oh, it's just acting. How hard can it be? It's like, oh, you want you want to try? Can you do it? Can you do it? Um, also, I think we should we should mention uh, that some of this movie, this movie was shot in upstate New York, which is technically true this time because they did film in Herkimer County. No Ma- shit. They really did? On Main Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, the I think the just the opening scene of them, you know, rummaging around in that. Oh God! Um, do you know what town it is? Uh, let's see. Dutchess County and Ulster County are downstate. Uh, spent their budget locally, including purchased twenty tons of corn. So, some filming, some filming took place on downstage in the town of Pauling in Dutchess County, as well as on location in the county city of Beacon outside Dutchess and Ulster. Filming also t- took place on Main Street in Little Falls. Huh. So, population estimate 2016 of 4,700. Jeez. Wow. And and that's that's in a t- oh it's a city. Well, how many people live in Herkimer County? Let's find out. 62,000. Wow, that's not a lot of people for an entire county. A uh, county spanning 1,400 square miles? No, it is not. It is not. You really, you really appreciate how in the United States of America, there's just so there's just stretches of counties that just have nothing that are just like, how is this even a? Look at you, you're worried about people not having a place to get buried. That's true. That's true. You've got counties in upstate New York just ready. I want us to be the 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 graveyard state, like whatever isn't lived in by people or you know like a civilization, just dead people. All over the place. <laughs> just pave off Clinton County completely and just replace it with dead people. Oh, sorry. A giant building that's just a catacomb. You can either I have would... this person cremated or we can send them to uh, Clinton County just and they can <laughs> in our mass and our mass grave that is known as Clinton County. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'd consider it. But a quiet place. Yeah, why are we having such a hard time staying on topic with this? I don't know, because it's a horror movie. It's just like, oh, that scene was scary. Oh, remember that scene? Oh, that was scary. Um, um, so do you have anything else you really liked about it? Oh, I mean, the creature design. I guess we could talk about it now. Those things were pretty cool. Oh, they were so cool. They remind me a lot of Venom, you know, with the Yeah, teeth. yeah. And, then um, there and are... the, uh, those things from Resident Evil, the... Yeah, yeah. What are they called? Lickers, I think is what they're called, because they have big old tongues. Yeah, nice. Um, and they kind of like walked around, sort of like um, 
like uh, something from Prometheus with like the long spider legs, sort of. I liked yeah. how their faces came out. Apparently, actually, uh, Krasinski worked on the character models with Industrial Light and Magic. Of course he did. He's Which, just the perfect man. Yeah, I think I'm in love great. with him. Yeah, I'm I'm hard for Krasinski. Uh, he's pretty <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I think the the bit of them... You know, here's where I'm going to draw the line on movie logic for a little, uh, for a quick second. Is I am going to call bullshit on the fact that they lived on the run like this for what was it? Like a year, wasn't it? Established uh, about a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half. Uh, at the or at least at, at the very minimum nine months between nine months and a year and a half on the run like this, and he never thought to reverse engineer and use the strength of the creatures as their weakness. I don't, know, I don't I don't think anybody thought about that, though. I know, but the big bit of the movie, I guess we can explain it, so spoilers for A Quiet Place, is that these things, the these, um, these creatures come to Earth, and they're blind, except that they, like we sort of mentioned before, they can hear really really well they use echolocation and if you make too much noise like turning on a toy no matter where they are like game over like blood in the ocean a like a shark they'll come find you and they'll take you down that's just what they do and i just i don't know i think that peeps i think he especially john krasinski because he makes his kid all these new different kind of hearing aids i feel like he would figure that out because like i would probably figure that out Maybe. I don't think that you would. I mean, he's got the time. He's, he's got, got the, the time. time. He's also worried about, oh, I have to go find food for my family today. I got to make sure I know, but what's my that? dumbass kids don't make hours. any noise. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just think that was a little I, bit. I, I bought that. I just think the that solution hole. was a little bit too easy. Where it's like it, you don't really need to make that many like that that many logical jumps to figure that out. Like, uh, What would you have done instead? What do you mean? Well, if you don't buy that as a, the solution that no one would have thought of it, how would you have made it different? I don't know. I mean, if I were in Krasinski's shoes, knowing how smart he is and the fact that he's able to build hearing aids from scratch, I just feel like he's got enough intellectual capacity to but he, I mean, he figure can't that out. build hearing aids from scratch because he sucks at it. No, he's good at it. He never did it once. They never worked. They never worked enough, is what. Oh, they never worked at all. Yeah, but he also rigged up his entire farmhouse, and he figured out all these things, and he like the the set up a surveillance network and the radios and all that kind of stuff. He's a smart guy, and I just think I feel like he would get to that uh, that solution pretty quickly. That's all. Uh, I don't know. I bought. I mean, I don't know if it maybe my suspension of disbelief was just it's just I don't know maybe better than yours, but I I thought that that made a lot of sense and okay it definitely it set up a hell of a a hell of a final shot of Emily Blunt with the shotgun they finally killed one of these things and then they've seen the security cameras a bunch of them are coming and she like turns the dial up to hurt them even more so they can just blow their freaking heads off that was mm-hmm. neat. That was pretty cool. Uh, I liked. See, I liked that solution. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, a couple little things. I think I know what this means, but I want to hear what you have to say just to make sure. What did the red lights mean? It, that she's giving birth. Oh. I came to the conclusion of that, the red that lights that means that compromised. The, yeah, that the that the creatures were around to and to be extra super quiet. You know, I think it could be either one to tell you the truth. Yeah. That I mean, might just be up to interpretation because they never say it either way, but Mhm. And that's one of the once I don't know, maybe it was just the uh fireworks going off. Yeah, that and that's signified. a tricky that's a tricky thing about a movie like this where and this is the only time you really fell into it where you have to where you have to um introduce a an element into it that you can't explain away with a quick yeah. line of dialogue. You have to kind of put the pieces together and you know, like we just saw, you and I came to two different conclusions that are both supported and both equally valid and mm-hmm. we just don't know. And you know, I don't really hold that against Krasinski. Uh, and the screenwriters, because you know, when you do this much right, the wrongs just don't seem as big. That that, uh, that that just doesn't even seem like a big old wrong to me, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's it's slightly, it's not sloppy. It's just like a little thing that doesn't work a hundred percent, but it works like ninety five percent. So it's just worth mentioning. Um, uh, that and oh, another interesting touch that I liked was the other people. You remember that? When, they, uh, um, early in the movie, when they when he... they uh, lit the beacons for Gondor, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would say that. Uh, I liked that too. I thought that was a cool scene because it shows that, yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's a real clever way to say, "Oh, did you hear from the other groups today?" They were they just showed that they exist and that they're doing things that right people would do in this situation. Yeah, and how they even how the human desire to stay connected to people and to have a relationship is still alive in this world where people mm-hmm. are just getting knocked off left and right. Um, uh, and, you know, and uh, like you said, I mean, if all you would need is a really... I, I, maybe this had it. I wasn't paying close enough, as close attention as I should, but maybe you zoom... Like you... John Krasinski lights the fire and you kind of pan around and you show all the different compounds and then you just sit on uh, on an empty spot in on some hillside and you kind of your character that means your character is realizing that one of the other one of the families didn't make it and one of the they got you know yeah, killed oh, by these that'd monsters be good. that'd be really good I think I might I'm pretty sure it had that because I think there was a little spot of something but I'd have to I'd have to go back and check but um yeah, when you're using this little dialogue and things are this overall sparse, there's a lot of room for creativity. And Krasinski, um, uh, he had a lot of... There was a lot of little moments that kind of built up this world. Like them, when they're just walking out of the store and you see the uh, the newspaper kind of flapping in the wind and you just see its sound, you know, the uh, headline, its sound, uh-huh. kind of tells you all you need to know before you actually know what it means. And... Uh, that's just a sign of a great director and a great attention to detail. So, um, what are some other likes or dislikes from you? So I had a bit of a dislike with the movie, but it makes sense 
just in the context of what this movie is, is there were a lot of jump scares in it. Yeah, and, but it's a horror But it movie. makes sense for this one because all of this whole movie – but better horror movies don't use jump scares. Eh. Change my mind. Name a good horror movie that relies on jump scares as much as this one did. I mean – the Conjuring and The Conjuring Two don't rely on jump scares, but they certainly have them, and they so, yeah, but purpose. they they don't have them in the the okay, volume well, that this movie does. Unpopular opinion time, Cody. Horror movies, quote unquote, like The Shining, don't I don't have any those don't scare me or nerve me at all. I find horror I find psychological horror movies boring as piss. Really, I don't think that they're because at those all are like the best horror movies. Name a great name. Name more great psychological horror movies. Uh, the Babadook. Trash. Hate it. So good. I hate the Babadook. Um, The Invitation. That's not a horror movie. That's a thriller. It's a horror movie. No, it's not. It's a thriller. Guys getting dicked by. I don't really remember that movie very yeah. well. To tell you the truth, no horror, um, just thriller. Or the cult. Invitation. That was a good movie. I think. I liked it. Wait, did you say the invitation game? No, the invitation. Okay. That that one that you made us watch, and I love. I really movie. liked. I love that movie. What are some others? Oh, you're next. Never saw it. it was pretty good. But like, I'm talking about like Alien. That's a horror movie. That's a scary. Yeah, movie. that doesn't rely on drum scares. I mean, it kind of does. Not really. A little bit. There's like two. The the creature literally jumps out of John Hurt's stomach. That's not a jump scare, though, because there's something that leads up to it. It's not just a loud noise out of nowhere. Mm. The only jump scare I can think in Alien is when um, Dallas is in the the vents. And the, what's it called? The They have that motion tracker going on and it's beeping. And even that has a, a buildup that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying that I, I understand this movie gets a pass on the jump scares. Because of the context that it's that it, it's all about sound, yeah. And even little sounds are going to sound super loud to these characters, which is why I think they sounded loud to us. And hell, I scream if I drop a pencil sometimes. And what? Maybe not a pencil, but if I if I dropped a glass, maybe I'd scream. Interesting. And these people have. I get scared. I get spooked really easily. Yikes. I forget, I screamed at something the other day. I think I was yeah, you know, last time we recorded an episode of this podcast I screamed at a jump scare in a game <laughs> that I was playing. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that that's funny. what happens when Bigfoot comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm the guy uh, when I play a video game like Grand Theft Auto for instance, when I'm in Grand Theft Auto and I steal some yacht or some speedboat or whatever and I get like stuck in the <laughs> I, I like fall into the ocean and I see there's a shark nearby. I just, like, freak out. I was like, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> That's why I freak out, too. Um, so I know last week we talked about a movie that was built on references, and, like, the foundation of which the story was built upon was referencing pop culture. I did not expect that the greatest reference of maybe all time would come just a few days later in A Quiet Place with their ge- borderline genius Home Alone reference. Can, oh, with the fucking nail? Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that not... Did you not think of that? I... You know what? I, I didn't. That was the first thing that came that came through my head was I thought of Marv stepping on the nail in Home Alone. God damn that. 
I couldn't watch Ooh. that. I could not watch that. Her going in or taking out, and ah, uh, yikes. That was rough. That was really rough. But then, like, later in the movie, the nail is exposed again. They cut to it, and the deaf girl just, like, walks down the stairs fine. So it's like, well, they, why'd um, you cut to it? This, they, they, or she had pointed it out, or uh, Emily Blind pointed it out to her kids. Um, oh. And they went downstairs. Oh, okay. All right. Um, hmm. So we talked about the creatures, we talked about the direction, we talked about the cool little touches, we talked about jump scares. Did you have anything you didn't care about? Um, no, there's nothing I outright disliked or thought was poorly done. I think this is a really tight, strong, well-scripted, well-thought-out movie. Um, I think um, a, making a, a good-to-great-horror movie is among the hardest kind of movies to make, so I'm just in on whatever John Krasinski decides to do next, and I'm just really impressed with the work everybody did here. Yes, I thought that this was a fitting conclusion to the Jim Halpert trilogy of media, (laughs) and I am... It's a really good end to my headcanon, so I'm, I'm glad that this was a good movie. Likewise. Do you, do you find it funny that, like, of the biggest sitcoms in, like, the last, I don't know, ten or so years, the Friends people have done, like, nothing, and John Krasinski is, like, freaking killing it less than five years? Like, he's done more in his with this movie than any of the Friends people have. Have they? Like, I can't even think of a movie that a friend's person has been in. Like, Jennifer Aniston pops up here and there, but, like, that's, like, your horrible bosses or office Christmas party. Like, yeah, yeah. Matt LeBlanc is on a CBS sitcom, which isn't great. Like, it, compared to Krasinski, it's just, like, bleh. I don't know if the girl who plays Phoebe is doing anything. One of them got a really meta show on um, HBO. I think those LeBlanc episodes. Yeah. Yeah. David Schwimmer. I mean, he's Robert Kardashian, so maybe he's on the upswing. But I don't know. It's just, it's weird that of all things, the the office is the show that these great careers are coming from. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, final thoughts in the grade. Final thoughts. I think that this is a very good movie. I don't. It'll probably make it if we're thinking about top half lists, top five half lists, or whatever. Um, I think it's in the conversation if it's not going to make it. I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching this movie. Oh, I have a question for you, though. Yeah. How was your movie theater? Oh, it was great. It was a full house. There were teenagers in front of, next to me on the left, and next to me on the right, and they were all super quiet. I mean, the two girls in front of me were, like, kind of nervous giggling, but that was, I don't know. That's completely... Yeah, that's that makes natural. sense to me. Yeah. My <clears throat> my theater was also pretty good. Yeah. I think I was the asshole because I bought <laughs> popcorn and <laughs> was eating it. But as soon as the movie started, I was like, I can't eat this loudly. I need to Yeah. I need to be subtle about this. So I, I did that thing where I just I let the popcorn into my mouth and like melt for a little bit. Right. <laughs> and that <laughs> yeah. would crunch it like but no, my theater was really good too. Mm-hmm. And I saw it like first. I went on a 
you know, on a Friday afternoon, like a two forty or something like that. Usually, well, when you you saw that line, I sent a picture of you. Yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on a Thursday evening. Well, Thursday and... evening. That's like when the movie comes out, and like you yeah. Know, but still, I have gone people to aren't working on Thursday evening before, and I've never ever had that big of a line ever. I can't think of a single time. Power of movie where... pass. Power of movie pass. I only saw like three people with movie pass. Oh yikes! A lot of them were like, <laughs> "Here's my credit card. I'm from. Ugh. My daddy my, pays for my. My movies. father bought this ticket for me. My dad's a lawyer. Ugh. No, Long that's, Island. That's more. That's more Ithaca than Cornell. If we're being honest here. <laughs> well, I, mean, I know a lot of my dad's lawyers at, at Ithaca. They're all over the place, and I hated them. All That's equally. not what you run into at Cortland, in case you were wondering. Cortland, it's my dad's sells cars. <laughs> right, you're right. That makes sense to me. Um, my dad's in insurance. It's like okay. I cool. I don't even know what most of my friends' parents do. That right. I went to our, our college with. Nobody cares at that point. So all right, uh, give a quiet place a quiet grade. Uh, nine. You're gonna go nine. What? Yeah, it's good. Cool. Uh, I'll drop it an eight. I was really happy with it. Uh, definitely recommend it. I already have recommended it to people. Um, and I would yeah. go see it, but uh, I don't know if I would tell them to wait a little bit until the audience dies down. Yeah, I think we've both shown the audiences, at least around here, are good, you know? Like I said, I was in the shower. Yeah, then, I was in... But... Uh, not only was I in... Sh- in you know, spitting distance, and believe me, I tried, of like a dozen teenagers, but the one next to me was going through his I'm 16, I'm just not going to shower phase. So my right nostril was fine, and my left nostril was just filled with like stinky teenager. He had like the greasy long hair, and I was like, I hope I never went through that. I just, I need to, I just want to have a post-it note and just like a, just like, you know, do the, oh, excuse me, and then put something on your shoulder so you find it later. You know, to not make take it a shower. Yeah, it's like please shower. Uh, whatever. Maybe it's just maybe teenage boys are just naturally stinky. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad I'm not a teenage boy anymore, though. Yeah, like death is coming. Way better. Way better alternative. So stoked. So psyched. Um. So watching and listening to. Uh, I've got a couple quick fun things. Um, I rewatched. A movie called Star Wars: The Last Jedi. You have How'd you heard you, of this? Yeah. Did, did you hate it like everybody? Not my Star Wars. I don't like change, new things. I don't like that there was a woman in it. Well, I I hated that about Force Awakens. So it was just I had to find new things to hate in this. And a one. black stormtrooper. Don't even get me started. Yeah, man. Re. Hey, there it is. <laughs> um, I also saw a movie called Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan. The the goose Gosling, and Steve Carell, Julianne Moore. Uh, have you ever heard or seen this? Heard I've of heard of it. Isn't that like there's a shitload of like really famous actors in it, right? Yeah, it's like an ensemble. Yeah, uh, that's not sh- the one. Is that the one like Liam Neeson is in it? No, 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 no. Which no. one is that? I New Year's Day maybe. Fuck that. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> this is like a an actual good movie. Um. One of the best twists of the last five or six years, or whenever this came out, like this movie legitimately has a pretty great great twist that 
in retrospect was kind of obvious, but they, it was just sort of hidden. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty sweet. What's a better romantic comedy, that or About Time? Uh, about Time. Because I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, if somebody, Josh. In our Donald Gleason hour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Crazy Stupid Love, absolutely adored it. One of my new favorite romantic comedies. Really great. And then I just got back from seeing Chappaquiddick, the Ted Kennedy Chappaquiddick movie, and it sucked. Did it really? Yeah, it sucked. It was just, it was just a series of events happening and like people talking about legacies and you know. Okay, but real talk, how I I know nothing about this event. Just so you know, I know the bare bones after yeah. I saw the the trailer because it was. I don't remember what movie I was seeing, mm-hmm. but there was a bunch of like really weird movies by the same um, production company. And this was one of the movies. I just I can't remember what it was that I saw. Okay, but what what do you want to know? What I'm what are you asking? I want to know is how did they put or how did they portray Joe Kennedy? Uh, pretty accurately. Was he was a, like, did they they didn't shift the tone to make him seem like he was in the right, or did they make it look like he was wrong? Uh, no. I mean. It, I, I don't know much about the story either, and I just know that at this stage in his life, he'd had a stroke, and he was immobile, and he could barely talk, and he was just pissed off about, you know, having three of his sons killed, and how he's left, like, this is kind of, the movie was kind of, if Fredo was the last one standing. Shit, could you imagine? Yeah. Is that, so wait, the the Kennedy, the main Kennedy in the this. Patriarch. Joe Kennedy. Yeah. Is, that's what this movie's about? No, the it's about Ted Kennedy, the youngest brother. That's who brother. I meant to talk about. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 oh. Was, yeah, did they play uh, play him as a good guy or as a bad guy? Oh, bad guy. Yeah. They this movie was pretty definitive that he what he did was wrong and he probably should have been charged with involuntary manslaughter. Like they're Yeah, they're pretty like they kind of tried to patch it up at the end with like a concussion thing. Like, oh, we didn't know what he was doing, but it was pretty obviously a front for, you know, you got to see what actually happened and then how the Kennedy machine spun it to or the public. Actually happened, but we don't know what actually happened, right? Yeah. I mean, we kind of do. He, you know. Did he admit it later? No, but we kind of know. Then we don't know. I mean, you can't I go mean... that way. You can't say shit like that without a source, Mason. The source is, how about you shut up? Shit. Got him. Um, well, his journal? his story also changed like thirty times depending on what narrative and what story he was his camp was trying to push. So it's you know just by process of elimination you can kind of figure out what happened. But um, this movie was maybe if I wasn't if it wasn't directly compared to my favorite movie of all time, I would like it JFK, more. Okay, right? Yeah. yeah, but it's about the worst Kennedy, right? The best Kennedy. Um, maybe I would like it more, but I don't think very much. Like I have it as a two out of five on Letterbox, like two stars. Wow. Maybe if I had didn't love JFK as much, it'd be like a two and a half. But as it stands, I think this is a pretty bad movie. Uh, like it just, it, I, I think I mentioned it before here. Oh yeah, with Death of Stalin, like it just never. There was never that scene where I was like, oh okay, let's. I'm ready I'm to start the story. In. Yeah, yeah. I was very, uh, I was very much a just. I was watching the movie instead of, like, getting into the movie. 
a yeah. passive a passive versus an active yeah, exactly viewer exactly passive I buy that. yeah um and it just was like you know people talking about doing about PR basically for 2 hours and there was like a little bit i think there was a really clever way to go about this of like the heart and soul of this is i'm the last kennedy standing and i'm the one my father believes in the least and it's... You know, they there's do a story that. there. Ugh. Yeah, there's there's a story there, but they spend it too much time on. But then I went to the police station. And I wrote my, uh, I wrote my statement, and then I went back to Hannesport and I met with the lawyers, and we decided we wanted to do an interview on the national networks. You know, it's just it, there was a lot of missed opportunities where, like I, like I mentioned before, it, <laughs> in, in jest, but it does. There are a lot of parallels to The Godfather, like. Joseph Kennedy's like the patriarch who can't. Fredo was the last one left. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I would watch that movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's kind of what this was, because like they even have an adoptive brother, sort of, who's like technically a cousin, whereas Tom Hagen's like some kid from the street. This guy's an actual. That's their Robert Duvall kind of a cousin. Like, and it was played by Ed Helms, so you can tell how good this movie is. Ugh. I really want to know what movie I saw. <laughs> That was advertising this one. Yeah, you'll never know. You'll never. What's know. the production company? Fuck! It's like some like American films or something. Yikes! Pure, I don't are you sure what... it wasn't Pure Flix? I wish. Yeah this this felt this felt a little bit pure, pure flixy in terms of the production design. Like there was just nothing visually. There was nothing really that interesting and like cool going on. It just was very blandly directed. Um, but so truthfully, um, if things had gone to plan that night, I saw Death of Stalin. I would have been seeing God's Not Dead three instead. Yikes! Um, because those movies are hilarious. I don't know if you've ever watched them. No, no. But I, I highly suggest that you do because they are so funny. <laughs> I've I've seen and their views. These people are just they're pushing propaganda <laughs> and it is just it's yeah. so obvious but people are eating it up because they're so stupid. I'm sorry. Um so yeah, Chapadwatic was not good. No, no, very bad I would say. I um I think I'm I as of right now am one of Oh, I have three likes on it now. Great. As of right now, I'm one of only 329 people to give it a rating on Letterboxd. And I'm pretty okay with it staying like that. I don't think... I would say don't go and see this movie. Don't support it, even. It's pretty lazy. Like, this should have been the... If this was, like, the last part of CNN's documentary about the Kennedys, and it aired on CNN... I'd be like, all right, that's it was fine for being on CNN, but like, it's not. It's a movie. It just looks awful. So, what about you? I. What was I doing last week? I. What I was I playing Far Cry last week? I had to have been. Yeah. Because that's what I'm doing right now. Oh rip. Um, I listened to most of. Pet Cemetery, the book. I think I only have. Let's see how much longer I have. 
I've got one hour left until I finish it. And it was like 12 hours long, so that should show you how much I liked it. I listened to it for four hours today. Um, I think I just really like Stephen King. Mm. What else was that? Um, A Series of Unfortunate Events. I've been watching that. You were watching that last week. Yeah, I've stopped watching it. I don't know. I don't have a very good high attention span when it comes to TV shows. No, that show you have to be in the mood for. I understand. No, it's not even the mood. I just like I just can't like I, I can't commit myself to a TV show. You know, like you guys keep telling me, oh, you should watch Breaking Bad. I would like to. I just know, like six episodes in, I'm just gonna like I'll have a week where I just don't watch it, and then I never finish it, and I just don't feel like even starting. You know, like I'm amazed that I was able to get through as much West Wing as I did. Did you not finish it? No, no, no. I did. I finished the West Wing. I, like I'm, and I'm amazed. I made through seven seasons of a show. You like, should watch Seinfeld. I do watch Seinfeld. I've the whole never... thing. It's on Hulu. All the way? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I was watching an episode um, the other day that was uh, they get into a limo at the airport, and the limo belonged to some guy who missed his flight. And he turns out to be a uh, a Nazi mm-hmm. giving a speech at Madison Square Garden. It was so good because oh, it was really funny. But yeah, I've been listening to books. I've been thinking about Mormons a lot. And cool. I have a paper due on Wednesday and I'm not, I'm not doing very well. What's it about? It's the Mormons paper. Oh, that one again. How many pages does it's that gotta be? be? I have to get as close to 30 pages as done as I can by Wednesday. Yikes. And just my life has been... I've been doing so much shit with like getting a new job and everything that I haven't really been doing any research. Yikes. Ugh. Critical hit on life. So it's going to be it's gonna be a fun next couple of days. Tomorrow will be better, right? Yeah. Probably not, but... But Isle of Dogs is coming, and we got something really fun Yeah, it's really special. Special plan for Isle of Dogs. Well, you'll... Should we tell them? No, nah, you'll hear it when you hear it. It'll be, it'll be a first. A first for us, taking real flicks on the road. Oh. <laughs> be the first time we do this on purpose, anyway. Yeah. Shh. Because uh, I just bugged your car. Um... So, but until then, that's coming up. Is that next week? Well, you're going on vacation, so yeah, it'll, it'll be, be sometime sometime in the future during the week. I think. Uh, no, it's in the next. I mean, it'll be a quick turnaround on it, no matter what. So, when it happens, it'll be up within an hour, basically. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be sometime next week, I imagine. No, uh, the week after that. Yeah, I'll be back on the sixteenth. Something like that. We'll figure it out. So yeah, you'll we'll, you'll get it when you get it, you greedy bastards. Four people who Pieces listen to us. <laughs> yeah, suck it. Um. So, but until then, you can follow us at underscore realflix on the Twitter. Uh, leave an iTunes review. Let us know what you think. I think this is one of our better episodes in a while. It's felt a little good. So if I you like agree, it. that was fun. Let us know. 
while we enter our week or so of self-contemplation, we'll see how we come out the other end. Whenever when you do hear from us, like you said, it'll be a it'll be a fun new experience to listen to the show, a new yes, one I for us as well. well. So uh, until then, Cody, take it easy. Have a good day, good night. And the next few days of your life is going to be all about enormous. <sighs> I love them. Dum 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 dum. I wish I could just cite that as a source. I wonder if that's scholarly. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> it's if it's peer reviewed. <laughs>